0: Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a sermon series called The Life of Christ, a study in the Gospel of Luke. In this series, we're spending time with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. Thanks for joining us. You know, I've talked to you uh, about that on several occasions, and I brought it to the, the post office and I hand-delivered it. And I wanted to watch every single step that this person took with this thesis because this was going to Denver Seminary. It's going to get bound. It's going to get published. And so you better believe I was as careful as I could possibly be with this thesis. And I watched the lady take it. I watched her postage it. I watched her handle it. I wanted it to be as careful as possible because I'm just like anybody. I wanted it to arrive in perfect Condition And the right people actually got it. And it's the same with many of you. I bet this Christmas you are sending off some gifts uh, either uh, within the United States here or maybe even internationally. And uh, your desire, of course, is that those gifts arrive in perfect condition. And so like millions of other people, you go to FedEx or you go to UPS or you go to the United States Postal Service. And you wouldn't just give those gifts to anybody. You want to make sure that they're handled with care. Now, I share that because that's pretty much the opposite of what God did some 2,000 years ago when He delivered the gift of His Son to this world. We have seen, if you been with us throughout this little three-week series we've been doing in Christmas as we've done our larger series in the Gospel of Luke, that God's plan for Christmas is totally unexpected and completely surprising, and the delivery method that God chooses falls within that vein. So once again, I'm going to ask you to suspend how familiar you are with this story. I know we've heard it a million times. In fact, the passage we're going to look at this morning is maybe the most famous of all the Christmas passages because we see it on Charlie Brown every single year. But let's suspend our familiarity with it and look at it with fresh eyes and realize just how crazy this actually is. So I invite you to take your Bible and turn it to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And you can find that on page 716 if you need a Bible there in a C in front of you. What I'd like to do is I'd like to read this very familiar passage, uh, the whole thing, and then we'll unpack it together. So let's take a look at Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Lord, once again, we ask that uh, you would help us to take this very familiar story and speak new truths into our hearts this morning. Thank you for those who can be here and for those who are either listening or watching online, Lord. We pray that even as we are apart, that you would make us one in your spirit, that you would use your word, which is vast beyond measure, is not just located in a building, but it goes out from this place. And that you would encourage us this morning to hear what you want us to hear and to do what you want us to do. So we give you this time in Jesus' great name. Amen. Well, now I just want to step back for a minute and imagine, I know this is hard for us to do, but imagine that you're God and you want to deliver the most amazing, incredible, joyous news ever. An event that will literally change the course of human history. The birth of your only son, the birth of the one who is called Lord The birth of the one who is called Savior of the whole world. The one for whom we have been waiting and hoping for thousands of years as the people of Israel. And finally he's come. Who would you announce that to? Who would you choose to tell? Who would you come and have invite to come and see this amazing news? If it's me, I'm inviting some VIPs, right? Maybe some kings or some political leaders or some governors or some magistrates. Maybe even Caesar himself. Or what about going the religious route? I, I might invite some important rabbis or some synagogue officials or maybe that tall pastor at Cherry Hills. He should get an invite for sure. Surely those would be the kind of people that God would want to invite to come and see the Messiah. Surely God was going to deliver this important gift to the VIPs of this world. But what do we read in this story? Who does God invite to come and see his son? Who does he invite to see the future savior of this world? A bunch of shepherds. The delivery of the gift comes not to kings or to religious leaders, but to a bunch of sheep herders. God chooses to deliver his gift to shepherds. Now, I know we have some pretty romantic ideals about shepherds these days. I mean, we all probably have a nativity set somewhere, and it's so nice. And um, that's not how people thought about shepherds in those days. Let me just give you a little bit of background on shepherds. Shepherds were actually the outcasts of Israel in those times. They were ceremonially unclean because of the work that they did with animals. That meant that they were not allowed to enter into the temple area. That meant that if you, as a clean Jew, even touched a shepherd, you would become unclean yourself. A person in right standing with God was not to touch a shepherd because they would become unclean. Not only that, but the poor shepherds were looked on with so much suspicion Kind of the way people might joke today about gypsies or carnival workers. That's how shepherds were viewed in that time. They were often accused of being thieves. If something came up missing, it must have been those darn shepherds. Their reputation was so bad, in fact, this is true, they were not permitted to give testimony in a court of law because their word was not considered trustworthy. Basically, I like how one author put it, you would not want your daughter to marry a shepherd. And so listen, I tried to think of a modern example of what this would be like today. The best I could come up with was when Prince William and Princess Kate had their first child, George. I had to look that up online. They decide that the first people they wanted to know about and come visit the new prince should be the guys who clean out their sewers. In fact, it would be like Kate basically saying, have them come straight from their work and come and see this child. Friends, there's only one announcement of Christ's birth recorded in the scriptures, and it's an incredible announcement as we see here. There's only one invitation from God to anybody to come and visit this child. The Magi, they figured it out on their own. And this one invitation goes to a bunch of uneducated, smelly, low-class, social and religious outcasts. A bunch of shepherds. Now I have to imagine, I like placing myself in the story sometimes. Can you imagine what the angels are thinking? I mean, they had the job of delivering the most important gift to the shepherds. Luke tells us that a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. This means basically the entire night sky is lit up with thousands upon thousands of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Most people think there might have been eight shepherds there. So this is like the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir rehearsing for an entire year to do Handel's Messiah and singing it to the maintenance workers at the church. The whole host of heaven declaring God's greatness to eight shepherds. And that is the surprise once again of Christmas. It's the surprise of God's delivery of his gift. There in Bethlehem is born the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, God in the flesh, the biggest event in human history, and the mayor of Bethlehem doesn't get the announcement. The high priest in Jerusalem is left out of the loop. Caesar and the members of the court don't get the news. None of the elite, none of the powerful get the announcement that Christ has been born. The only announcement that is given goes out to a bunch of sheep herders on the outside of society. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But that's the Christmas story, and it's incredible. Now, the question I've been asking this week is like, what can we learn from this? And I believe this story has two important lessons for us as we head into the Christmas season this year. The first great lesson this story teaches us is that God's gift is not just for the great people of this world. If you're on your notes, God's gift is for everyone. The gift of Jesus is meant for everyone. Remember what the angel said in verse 10, if you still have your Bible open, it says that the good news was for how many of the people? All the people. Those aren't just words. This story actually reveals to us. It's true. Even the least of people, the shepherds, the outcasts, they have this gift available to them. God does not play favorites. The one thing you have to notice over and over in this story is that the most powerful person ever born entered into this world in total simplicity and humility. This story teaches us, friends, that our God, the Christian God, is not an elitist. He does not play favorites. In fact, it's the complete opposite. God chooses to do his greatest work through people or things we normally think of as weak or unimportant. Again and again, this is true. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. I love these words. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many of you are influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. I love that. No Christian has any reason to boast, do we? other than the grace of God, that his gift is for all people. He has given us the gift of what the angels call peace. If you're on your notes there, what's the gift? He has given us the gift of what the angels call peace, the gift of peace. In fact, I'll have you read verse 14 with me there on your notes. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests, or peace to those who receive the gift. Now, it's no accident Luke uses the word peace here. Again, I think if you really start to dig into the Bible, you'll just realize how much of a genius some of these people really were and how uh, filled with the Holy Spirit they were. He uses this word peace, which would have been familiar to everybody during this time because of what, remember back in high school history, was called the Pax Romana. Some of you remember that? The peace of Rome, right? This peace of Rome that was a forced peace, But it worked. Rome had peace over the known world at that time. They basically ruled and reigned, but it was through force. It was through war. It was through opposition that this peace even came. It was a false peace. And there's no doubt in my mind that Luke uses this word here. We can have real peace. Not peace that is imposed, not peace that is forced by a government, not peace that is brought about by war, but peace that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, we should remind ourselves what peace means in the Bible. It's not a peace like this, like good times, just relax a little bit. No, it actually means the end of warfare, the end of enmity, the end of hostility. And here Luke is talking about that we can have that kind of peace with God. Now, that means at one time we were at war with God. We were hostile with God. Why? Well, the natural human heart wants to be king, right? I know I do. I want to sit on the throne of my life. And yet God demands lordship of my life. And so there is naturally going to be in every single human being's life this hostility that grows because I want to sit on the throne. But God says, I deserve that place in your life. But we have this self-centered desire to command and control. And that leads to conflict, not just with God, but conflict with other people as well. And so hostilities with God lead to hostilities with others. And there can be no peace on earth because there is no peace with God. But the proclamation of Christmas is God and sinners reconciled. I believe we just sang that. Jesus is the perfect mediator between estranged parties by assuming a human nature, something Jeff talked about last week, the God-man, the only one who could, bridges the chasm of warfare, of hostility, so that now we can experience true peace. The end of warfare, the end of hostility. Paul put it this way in Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Christmas means that though through the grace of God and through the incarnation, as Jeff talked about last week, peace is at last available to people who have been at war with God since almost the very beginning. And if you can make peace with God, the promise here is we can make peace with everyone else. The question becomes, how do I receive this gift of peace? Well, this is where it's challenging. The first step towards that is actually acknowledging that I'm hostile towards God. The first step of receiving peace is acknowledging that I've been at war. That I have been the one who's wanted to assume lordship of my life. That I'm the one that wants to sit on the throne. And then when we acknowledge that, that's called repentance in the Bible. We simply receive the gift of love that God has now given us. The gift of his son. The gift of peace. It's that simple. Let me give you an example here. I have a giant present. Nothing inside of this, but every person, when it comes to the gospel, we, we, this is what we're talking about with the shepherds. Every person is given this gift, right? Let's imagine this is the gift of Jesus. Every person is given the opportunity to have this gift. It's the gift of life. It's for everyone. It's for you. It's for me, no matter how insignificant you think you are. No matter how bad you think you've messed up, God comes to this earth in human flesh and he says, here, I want you to have this. I want you to have the gift of my son, which is peace. You just have to take it. Acknowledge that you have wanted to have your own life ruled by yourself and then take the gift. It's as simple as that. I think 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says it best. I think it's on your notes there, right? Yes. Let's read that. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's the gospel. Acknowledging, I want to sit on the throne, and letting him instead. Letting him instead. The shepherds were not pious or holy people. They weren't any more religious than anyone else. God simply wanted to show us that his love does not discriminate on the basis of class or wealth or race or social or religious standing. He does not value pastors or priests higher than anybody else. God does not show favoritism. His gift of peace is available to everyone on the same basis. Faith. Receiving Jesus for who he is. Now, there's a second great lesson in this story, and this might be more challenging for some of us. We learned earlier that God delivered this message to shepherds only. And so my question is, how is everybody else going to hear about it? If this was a gift that was meant for all people, how are all the people going to hear it? How are we, though we're small in number live, we're big in number on video, how do we celebrate this still some 2,000 years later? How do we even know this story? Well, the answer is found in verses 17 and 18, which is on your outlines there. Let's read that out loud together too. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. How awesome is that? Do you see once again how surprising this story is? God delivered this amazing news in the most amazing way to eight people. Or so shepherds, social outcasts, and then we're told when they went and saw him for themselves and they received the gift for themselves, what did they do? They went and told everybody else about it. They couldn't contain their joy. So what we learn here is God expects ordinary people to be responsible for delivering the gift to others. Here in the Christmas story, don't miss this, we have the very first proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't miss the irony. It is done by people whose testimony was not even allowed in a court of law. But God values their testimony. He values it highly. He entrusted them to be the first humans to proclaim the gospel. It's how it works. They heard about Jesus, right? They heard from the angels. They went and saw him for themselves. They received the gift. And now, because of the joy that is in them, they cannot help but share it with others. I think about that present I shared you again. Again, that represents God's gift to us. He's the gift of peace that can be found in Jesus through faith. Every person now who has received that gift, we have the opportunity to do something with it. We have the opportunity to do something. Truthfully, we could have any number of responses to this gift. Some of us, if we're honest, have not actually received this gift yet. You've had it delivered to you time and time and time again. You understand what's inside of the gift, and yet you've refused to open it. You're not ready to let Jesus assume lordship in your life. But I want to just say to you, if that's where you find yourself, it's not enough just to peek inside the manger and say, oh, how lovely. Isn't that a beautiful scene? The truth is, even if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times over, but not within you, You cannot have peace with God. You must have Christ. You must receive the gift yourself if you want to experience the peace that he came to offer. Others of us have opened this gift. We've received the gift of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God has delivered it to you in some way or another, but we have different responses about what we're going to do with this present, right? Some of us might want to hide it. I don't want anybody to know that I've received this gift. It's a little bit awkward for people to know that I'm a Christian and I, and I believe these things. And so we kind of hide it. It's always in the back of our, our hearts maybe, but it's never really coming out front. This is how I was in high school, friends. I had one other Christian friend in high school and all my other friends were non-Christians. And it was really awkward and embarrassing to be the one person who wouldn't drink at the party or to be the one person who stood up uh, for my faith. And so I sort of kind of hid it. I sort of, I mean, I didn't, I didn't fall into the things that they were falling into, but I also didn't make it a really big deal. It wasn't like the main part of my life. I was kind of a little bit awkward about it. Others of us, uh, we want to kind of hoard the gift. Faith is between me and Jesus. I don't, whatever it is between you and, and God, that's between you and God. But this is, this is a gift that he's given me. And I'm going to keep it for myself. You know, I don't want our church to get too big. After all, I, I I don't feel comfortable sharing this with others. You know, this is an individual decision that I've made. That's how some of us view the gift. And finally, some of us I think we know what we're supposed to do with the gift. We think we we're supposed to share it, but then we look around. We're like, well, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not a pastor. I mean, surely that's what those people are for, right? Uh, They're the ones that are good at sharing the gift. But I'll just remind you, again, the main lesson of this story is that God used who? Shepherds. He used shepherds of all people to be the first proclaimers of the gift. They saw Jesus. They accepted the gift for themselves. And then they passed it on. They passed it on to anyone and everyone who would hear. It's the greatest, most indescribable gift ever, and it needs to be delivered still today. The question for us this morning, including myself, is what am I doing with the gift God has given me? Am I going to open it, first of all? I mean, have you actually received this gift? And secondly, am I going to hide it, or am I going to hoard it, or am I going to go out and share it with others? My guess is almost all of you in this room, maybe not some of the little ones, but uh, you have probably opened up this gift and you're grateful for it. That's why you're here, you celebrate. But my bet is the reason you were able to do that is because someone shared that gift with you, yeah? Can you all think of somebody in your life right now who was instrumental in you receiving and opening this gift? I think about my dad who was faithful to me. He always shared uh, about Jesus. And one night when I was seven years old, he came into my room and he shared the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. And I opened it. I received that gift. I bet you each one of you has a story just like that. And so again, how important is it that we recognize that? That God uses ordinary people like moms and dads and shepherds and teachers to give the gift to others. Friends, I talked about this in the beginning. It's easy to forget how incredible this is, right? We are called to be God's delivery agents. Think about that thesis story, right? We are his FedEx. We are his UPS. We are the United States Postal Service. If you're following on your notes, I think this might be here. God has chosen me to be the delivery agent of his gift. Now, how important is this? It's a matter of life and death, right? People don't want to hear this as much today, but Romans 6.23 says this up on the screen. For the wages of sin is death. That's what our hostility with God costs us. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, I'm asking you like I've had to ask myself all week, who in my life right now Is God putting on my heart that I could possibly deliver this gift to? Now, I know most of you aren't here right now, but on every single one of these seats, we have a card that looks like this. Some of you can grab those. Hopefully you can see that. We just are trying to think of simple ways that we can give this gift to others. And so this Christmas Eve, we have three services at 3, 5, and 7 p.m. And my question is simply, is there one person that God has placed in your life that you could invite to come to a Christmas Eve service this year? Is there a courageous move that you could make, that you could deliver even this card and just say, hey, you might want to come and visit our services. They're at 3, 5, and 7 p.m. I'd be happy to sit with you. You deliver it, and then the next thing you do is you pray like crazy, right? You pray, you pray, you pray. You pray. If you want to grab some of these cards, we'll have them throughout the week. You can come by the church office when our parking lot is not an ice skating rink, and we'll have those available for you. But that's just one easy way that we can do this. I got to warn you, though, not everybody's going to receive God's gift when you deliver it to them. Jesus warned us about this, right? We're often going to get rejected. I'm sure the shepherd's message wasn't received all the time. Like, oh, that's awesome. I got to go see for myself, too. They were like, no, those are shepherds. What do they know about this stuff? But there, is there someone in your life? Someone in your life? We talked about this several weeks ago. Is there a person of peace in your life? What does that mean? You remember when Jesus sends out the, the disciples? He sends out the 72. He says, go into a town and look for persons of peace. If a person rejects you, don't let that stop you from going to the next house or going to the next person or to the next person. Is there somebody who's showing a little bit of interest in your life right now? That God would place on your heart. That's what we're to look for. A person of peace. A person who might be open to these things. If somebody says, I'm not interested in going to those services. Don't let that bother you. Don't let that stop you. They're not ready yet. And that's okay. Jesus says, we move on. We move on and we find somebody who may be. Now, here's the thing I've been thinking about. Think about back to my uh, illustration about my thesis this morning. How many people do you think took part in delivering that package? You know, when I handed it off to the lady at the United States Postal Service, how many other people do you think took part in delivering that? I'm going to guess at least six or seven. Six or seven people probably before it reached Denver Seminary and it was handed over to my DMIN director. To put it in our terms, all those people were necessary for the delivery, right? And so the same is true when we're talking about our role in sharing this gift of Jesus. One study shows that it takes an average of seven people delivering the gift of Christ before a person will accept it. So whether you're the first person or the third person or the fifth person or even the tenth person, because it might take some people longer, don't view your move in that as less important. So I guess the last question for us before we leave this morning is kind of twofold. If you're on your notes there, the most important question is, have I received God's gift of peace? Not have my parents done that, but have I done that? Have I done that myself? Have I recognized that I'm at war with God and apart from him, I can have no peace, but he has given me peace in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And then the second question is, if that is true for you, will I share his gift with others? Will I share his gift with others? So that's God's challenge to us, his encouragement to us this morning. Who is God laying on your heart that you could share this incredible, indescribable gift to? As the team comes back up, let's just spend a moment in uh, reflection. And I'll pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your indescribable gift. We thank you that it came to shepherds. The lowest of the low. Which means that it is for every person. Whether we think we deserve it or not. Whether we think we failed too much. Your gift is for everyone. It is available. And Lord, we want to be the kind of church that shares this gift with others. We want to be the people like the shepherds were who when we receive this, our joy just can't be contained. So right now we just pause for 30 seconds and we ask the spirit of the living God to reveal any person, any person of peace we may have in our life right now and how we can... Encourage them or challenge them or maybe even invite them. So we just pray right now that you would show that person to us. That you are still working and you are still moving in this world. We believe that your gift is still the greatest gift that anybody has ever given. And so we pray this Christmas that our focus would be on Jesus.